With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hello, everyone. Another Tennis.com podcast, Monday, September 24th. I'm Ed McGrogan talking with Steve Tigner. Um, Steve and I will be here on Mondays, kind of either rehashing the weekend slash going into the week ahead, usually a combination of both, and um, I think this this is another example of that here. Um, Steve just you just wrote a piece for the site actually talking really about the fall season. This is kind of the first time you and I have talked about this part of the year. Um, you had a line in the piece that I enjoyed. Um, I'm just going to quote it here. Uh, you say, we, have, we may have to watch and appreciate Joel Friedsong and Carolyn Wozniacki as they continue their winning ways while at the same time avoiding all speculation about their slam breakthrough potential in 2013, and you're referring to some, you know, titles by both of those two last week, and really kind of what we take out of these fall events. So, you know, in, in your opinion, what really is the overall meaning for these tournaments? Because I think a lot of people share a lot of different opinions about that. Yeah, it's you know, um, I think the it's the reason it's hard to say is it doesn't really lead to anything. Um, doesn't lead to a grand slam, so there's no you don't really look at it as here's somebody's form going into a Grand Slam. It's just sort of here's somebody's form at the end of the year. There's no connection to a to a really you know a really important tournament. Um, and for these two players, Songa and Wozniacki, they've had good falls in the past. Wozniacki in 2010 won a couple fall tournaments and pushed herself to number one. Where Songa last year. Um, won two tournaments, made two big finals, including the World Tour Finals, and then bombed out pretty early at the Australian Open. So, you know, there was a lot of talk about him going into the new year because of what he'd done in the fall, and it just didn't turn out to be, it just, you know, it didn't pan out, and it has never panned out for Wozniacki either. So you just have to take these, you know, in, it's almost you enjoy or appreciate these wins for the, you know, on their own, but they don't, Unlike, say, the clay court circuit, they don't really give you an idea of what of what this player can do. What a player can do at you know at a Grand Slam. It's also this time of year. Some of the Grand Slam winners, like Djokovic, Federer, Murray, obviously Nadal, they tend to downshift a little, take a little time off, um, and then you know work back up at the end you know at the end of the year for the for the World Tour final. But but it's definitely a it's definitely a period for other people that may not be factors in the Grand Slam to do some damage. Yeah, I think it may uncover sort of that second tier, really, kind of seeing the uh, the cream of the crop from the the guys, you know, on the ATP, maybe just below these big four here. Um, and, 
I think kind of looking at some of the draws this week, you know, we're not going to kind of go into big bracket breakdowns here. In fact, you'll have a piece tomorrow about uh, specifically the Tokyo tournament and, you know, maybe some of the men's events here. But you do see guys entered in, for example, Thailand here, Bangkok, you have Tipsarovich top seed, um, Raonic number three seed here. Um, you have Ferrer in um, in. Kuala Lumpur over there. So you, it's those guys that I think about. I think actually specifically about a guy like Raonic, you know, where he's not going to run into a Federer, a Djokovic, a Murray. And, um, you know, for a guy like that who really still hasn't proven um, or we really haven't seen him in too many of the really late round, dramatic rounds because the top four have been so strong. You know, the fall season, and especially for a guy like him who might do very well indoors, that could actually be kind of a, a telling thing, but I think, like you say, to a degree. I think, you know, you look at somebody like Tipsarevich last year, he won, he won a few tournaments at the end of the year in the fall, and that helped him with his ranking and then also helped him get better seedings at the U.S. Open. It's not a, you know, it's not a dramatic thing. He didn't end up making the semis of any Grand Slam, but he did, um, he did reach the quarters in at the U.S. Open, because his ranking was up and his seeding was better, he was, he was able to avoid the top players early in tournaments. So in that sense, it could be important for somebody like Raonic if he wants to do that. You can boost your ranking then boost your seeding um, by, by playing well now. Yeah, um, I, I think that's exactly right about that. Um, switching to like kind of the women's side here. Now, this is uh, compared to these two tournaments we just mentioned. What you have here in Tokyo is really actually one of, honestly, the better draws of the whole year um, for the women's side. You get a couple um, back-to-backs, um, Tokyo and, and China, the following week, and um, you see basically a, a stacked draw. It's missing Serena Williams, I do have to say. That's kind of the really the elephant in the room for, for looking at this Tokyo draw, but it is pretty stacked with everyone, though. Um, kind of without really going into the you know the the round by round the quarter by quarter, you know what do you kind of make of of an event like this where you know so soon from the U.S. Open we see kind of everybody kind of getting back together and um, you know aside from Serena of course which that's quite important since she's dominated the tour since really Wimbledon here. I guess um, the last two years you, know, you had Wozniacki and. And then Radwanska last year used this part of the year to, to boost their rankings. Wozniacki went all the way to number one. Radwanska almost went to number one um, last year. And Radwanska also used this as a boost for her confidence. She, she eventually made the final of Wimbledon and had a good, you know, had a good first half of, um, of 2012. So I think it's, it's maybe it's an opportunity for somebody like that. That's been the historic... Um, that seems to be the last two years. The trend, maybe you'd see somebody like Angelique Kerber uh, continue to do well. Maybe she could do some something like that this fall. Or, uh, but also, you know, the top players, Azarenka and Sharapova, they'll want to position themselves for the next year. They're they're both here. So, um, so I guess it doesn't. You know, it's it goes back to the WTA with when Serena's not around. It's sort of here we're playing maybe for second best or you're positioning yourself in the rankings and the seedings, but it's not going to tell you necessarily that, you know, who the next Grand Slam winner is. And then, you know, these are, it is a, this Tokyo is, is a really good draw beside other than Serena not being there. 
I think uh, to kind of close things about this is, um, you know, we saw last weekend one player, another player who's not in this draw, who was more the talk last weekend was is Laura Robson here. Um, not entered it in this Tokyo draw, but we, last weekend reaching a final um, in China. And maybe this goes a little more along what you're saying about what you can discover from some players who really for the first time are, are kind of given the the stage really to, to you know to kind of showcase what they've done Robson of course at the US Open was really a, a standout first week story and you wrote a little bit about Robson today and some of the um, the talk that's been kind of generated about her since that and this past week here um, I, I think you kind of cover the scope of what of what the uh, outside in, outside perception of Robson is from Chris Evert, some of the British writers. You know, what is what are your thoughts on Robson kind of overall after seeing her a little bit more these past few weeks? Uh, you know, it's still positive. It's she was she. I think her her play in China was a high level, not as high as it was at the U.S. Open. It seems clear. You know, it seems to me now that the U.S. Open. She didn't feel a lot of pressure playing against Kleisters uh, or Lee Na, um, the top, you know, really top-ranked players. And she, I think that she played about as well as she can. She was a little, not quite at that level in China, but she, but she was still playing the right type of game, playing an aggressive game. And I was impressed by her, um, by her attitude. Very level-headed. Didn't get too high or too low. She made a really good comeback in the final, but then she also um, had a lead that she. That she blew in the third set, but um, but it's just, you know it's it's hard to, it's a little hard to tell with her. She has the hitting ability of the top players, but she's not. She wouldn't say she's as fast as as some of the best players. So it, it's you know she is a question mark. She's only eighteen though, and, and this is a this is a great result. Um, I think it's a it's a solid result that shows that she you know she's you know she's going to be getting better from week to week, not just winning a big match and then going away. Like that's an important, I think it was an important tournament in that sense for her. Yeah. And she had, she, we really have kind of heard about Robson, especially if you're really following the tours for, it seems quite a few years by now. And, um, you know, to, to kind of make that push at this point, um, you know, it, certainly something that I think is worth the the attention that she's receiving there. So, you know, when she comes back here in the fall, I think you'll be seeing her in quite a few of these other events here um, until the year comes down. You know, that's kind of, I think, one of the stories that we're kind of uncovering here. So, um, like I said, Steve will have uh, Tokyo Breakdown tomorrow. That will be televised on Tennis Channel kind of some sporadic hours, um, certainly late night hours, and then the other tournaments um, on tape delays if you want to catch those. Uh, so look for that tomorrow. Steve and I will be back on the podcast next Monday. Um, and that's all for today. Tennis.com, thanks for listening. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 